The Steve Lobby Agency presents The Christian Publishing Show, a podcast for writers who want to advance Christ's kingdom using the written word. Here's your host, Thomas Umstadt Jr. Creativity is a key for ingredient for every successful book, but how do we become more creative and what are we doing that may be inhibiting our creativity? Many people may feel they've lost their creativity and is there a way to get it back? To answer these questions and more, we're joined today by Jenny Rendell, the author of Courageous Creative, a 31-day interactive devotional. Uh, and over the last 14 years, Jenny has used her graphic design and editing skills and leadership ninja skills to collaborate with some of the biggest studios, companies, and ministries in the nation. Jenny, welcome to the Christian Publishing Show. Hey, Thomas. Thanks for inviting me in. I'm so excited. So I should say also that Jenny is one of my clients uh, as an agent, so full disclosure here, uh, <laughs> but it is good to have you on the show. And I want to kick things off by asking, what is creativity in your view? So the most simple definition I love to throw around is the act of making stuff. And I love that definition. So I'll tell you a quick story. I met this woman uh, a couple years ago, and she found out that I was an author and what I do. And she was like, wow, I'm super impressed with your creativity. I'm not, I'm not that creative. And we started talking. And Thomas, she runs her own business. And I think we have this preconceived notion of what it means to be creative, like you need to be an artist or you need to um, be an author. But, you know, high level business leaders are creative in the way they're making decisions. Engineers are creative in the way their brain puts stuff together. And then there's us, the writers who are creative in our expression and the way we communicate or even structure uh, the story. So I think when you look at creativity more holistically and you just say, okay, what did I make today? You can see that you are actually being creative. There's this fascinating psalm that's a bit of an enigma because in the psalm, um, the psalmist says to humans, you are gods, lowercase g. And it's one of those uh, Old Testament passages that'd be really easy to just kind of put aside, like, I don't know what that means. But Jesus quotes it at one point to befuddle the Pharisees. And I've often wondered, like, what does God mean when he's telling us that we are gods, right? What, what does that psalm mean? What was Jesus referencing? And I think part of that is the act of creation, that when he created us, he created us with something special that we too are able to create. Like when you write a story, in a sense, you become a lowercase g god of that story, right? You're creating that world. You're creating those characters, um, you know, from the dust of your keyboard, you're creating characters. And that is the spark of the divine. Like, I don't think we could do that if we weren't made in God's image. And there's something very core to the human experience and what God created us to be that is being creative and is being um, embracing creativity. Uh, so anyway, I just, I, as you were talking, I was like, I wonder, you know, if that's part of it. I'm curious what you think. That's so good. I mean, that, that like, I travel around the nation preaching that. Like, you just said it so eloquently. And it's so true. We are created to create and express. When we're creating in a healthy way, we're actually bringing God glory because he is the ultimate creator. And I jokingly call everybody creative ninjas because I think we actively have to fight so hard for our creativity. We have to fight for it. We have to be on mission to to express ourselves in a creative, in a healthy, creative way. So, because I believe it's the biggest weapon we can carry to influence our culture, and I think we're I think we're missing the mark, and we have to rise up and actively fight to pursue the expression that God has has given us. 
Yeah. So I should ask, where do you think creati- creativity comes from? Like, what what is it that makes us so creative? And you can't just say God because, you know, this isn't Sunday school. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't Sunday school, but you totally nailed it when the the thing you said a couple of minutes ago, like he is the ultimate creator. I mean, the Bible kicks off saying in the beginning, God created and he, he created us. We're made in his image. Therefore, we are creative, too. I think I actually just think it's in our DNA. Um, but, you know, as time progresses, we lose that. We lose that spark of innocence as a child. We we grow up in these rules and regulations or um, having this preconceived notion of what creativity actually is. And we kind of we lose that muscle. And I think we have to fight to strengthen it. So I, I do think our creativity comes from God. And I and I think it also it grows from actively pursuing it. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I like that. Because if you think about it, every child is an artist, right? Every you know, refrigerator is an art gallery. In fact, I, often I feel that the stuff that these children are creating is of higher quality than you'll find at a typical art gallery uh, these days, depending on which gallery you're going to. Uh, and yet that goes away, right? When you go to somebody's house, the art in the home gallery, it's not from the adults, typically. It's from the children. Why is that? Why is it that we get less creative over time? Yeah, I think we get in our own way. I don't know how you are, Thomas, but I'm an overanalyzer. So probably when we're done recording this podcast, I'm going to go back and do that introvert thing where I'm like, why did I say that? Why did I do this? And some of that can be healthy because we learn and grow from our experience, but some of it can be hindering too. Like, oh, that was so dumb. I'm never saying that again. But what if we're (laughs) What if we're supposed? And I think we do that with our creativity. So we lose that innocence. We we start overanalyzing and get in the way of um, free flowing in our minds. You know, like free flowing the thoughts that are coming. Where we just like don't even enter in. Um, and some of that's because of fear. Some of that's because of rules and regulations. Some of that is because of people pleasing. Like perhaps we're we're writing a book for people rather than writing a book because God called us to and we're writing from conviction or even feeling like we need to be redemptively vulnerable. We're just writing because, oh, well, that other person wrote the book this way. So that's what I'm going to do. So I think there's tons of things that um, hinder our creativity. Procrastination is a huge one. Perfectionism. Yeah, I took the assessment on your website, which I should point out. Oh, what did you get? (laughs) That um, you have a free assessment that people can take to see what is inhibiting their uh, creativity on. And and give us your URL for your website real quick. Yeah, JennyRandall.com. And Randall is spelled like candle. So R-A-N-D-L-E. And we'll have a link to it in the show notes. So my creativity inhibitor, according to your assessment, is time, lack of time, which I will say is not wrong. (laughs) With with a new baby in the house, uh, my sleep is inhibited uh, and my time is is very inhibited. And I will say that that was right on the money in terms of like challenges, but it's not a total creativity killer. Like I'm still creating podcasts. I'm still creating courses, uh, but it is a challenge. Like dealing with time management is um, it's something I struggle with every every day. And I've, what I've started doing is before checking email, I try to do something creative in the morning. Um, of course, a couple, a couple of days ago, I was, I'm recording a course on uh, how to create a podcast. And I started doing it in the morning. I look up, it was five o'clock and I still hadn't checked my email and everyone was mad at me. I was like, hmm, I think this got out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that you're noticing those moments in your day where you are most creative and then you're leaning into that. Um, have you ever tried, um, what's it called? 
not time blocking, but where you do the same task at the same time every day, or maybe it is time blocking. Time blocking, I think, is when you set aside a a core um, blop of time on your calendar to work on just one thing without distractions. I think it's similar to the Pomodoro technique where people set the clock for 20 minutes. And uh, I've totally been doing that. I will schedule time to work on tasks uh, on my calendar, uh, partly because I use uh, Calendly uh, for scheduling meetings and scheduling calls and scheduling podcast interviews. And uh, in order to protect a zone of time from someone scheduling something in that time, I have to put something there on the calendar. So I book a lot of appointments with myself to, to keep that time free, which you would think I wouldn't need to do since I, I, I work you know, solo, but I, I absolutely have to do it. Well, I think that's that's so healthy because you're protecting your time and you're saying this idea that God has given me is valuable and I'm going to invest my time in it. I I struggle with time management in the sense that I'll be a little squirrely and I'll jump from task to task to task. And then I'll look back and be like, oh, great. I did all these tasks, but I didn't do that one big thing that I felt like I was supposed to tackle. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. That is me every day I do email first. As soon as I jump into my various email boxes, I just run from fire to fire and I end up creating nothing that day. For me, email is the is the core enemy of of getting things done. And I totally and at the end of the day, I'm like bummed. My life my wife's like, How was work? I'm like, Oh, I just didn't feel like I got much done because I filled, you know, going back to the overused metaphor, I filled my glass with sand, email sand, all these tiny grains of of rock, which, you know, they're important, but they weren't as big important as the big rocks, the actual projects uh, that I'm working on. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Although I will say as an agent, uh, interacting with email is a a part of my job and I I can't ignore that. (laughs) People do want to get their emails responded to. And I realize that I realize that. (laughs) No, but (laughs) I love your disclaimer, Thomas. It's fine. We all understand there's a time and a place and you can, and I think, but I think what you're saying is true. Like um, I know the executive of, of a high level business, like billion dollar business. And she taught me like, you have to physically like turn off your internet if you're trying to, to stay focused in that one area. And I've just, or sometimes I'll have to like hide my phone so I don't get distracted. And I think email can serve such a distraction if it's just there like blinking every time something pops in the inbox. So we do have to protect that sacred space when we're like focusing in that one area. So your disclaimer, I'm not taking it. I think you're doing a great job (laughs) managing your inbox and your time and your creative brain space. That's important. Well, thank you. I I will say uh, one way that you can think of this is imagine a chef who's trying to invent a new dish. Okay. Now imagine that same chef trying to invent a new dish while getting dinner out of the kitchen for a hundred various restaurant guests, right? Like that's not the right place in the right kind of state of mind to experiment, right? Because you may make the new dish and it's not good and uh, you need time and quiet. Like the time the chef's going to invent the new dish is in the morning, right? Before all of the guests arrive uh, for lunch. And if, if we have to do that with, you know, creative cook with cooking creatively, I think we have to do that with all kinds of creativity, whether it's writing or art or music, you know, carving those times uh, aside is uh, really important. But uh, other than busyness, what are some of the other things that can inhibit our creativity? Uh, performance mentality. That's the one I struggle with the most. Um, feeling like 
the more I do, the better I am or the more creative I am. And like, it's, it's just unhealthy. So yeah, w- walk us in, walk us through that. What, what is, what does that look like? Like let, if you would open up your mind and let us get a view of what it feels like to have performance mentality. Yeah. So, uh, it, have you ever taken the disc assessment or like one of those personality tests? Uh, I've taken some of them like achiever, like really ambitious, like go getting, go get them types. Okay. Yeah. So I'm basically that. Yeah, I'm a high D, high I, which I love to achieve, and I'm going to get stuff done. You're a lion. I am a lion, and it's like, yeah, so I'll get stuff done. But it will be because I'm – when it's unhealthy, it's that I'm trying to prove my worth. So, like, my go-to struggle is am I good enough? And I'm going to show you that I am. And that's obviously we cannot create in a healthy way from that mindset. So I've really had to walk through with God. Even when I first became a Christian at 18, that was getting in the way of my Christianity. I was serving in a church in my mid-20s and I was just like all in serving there all the time, like reading my Bible and my philosophy. And I was thinking like, okay, the more I do all this stuff, the holier I am. And this is like what it means to be in relationship with Jesus. And he like totally just called me out on it. It's like, no, that's <laughs> you already are. You're enough because I'm enough. Like, and it just shifted everything for me. And I can see that sometimes leaking into my creative process um, where, okay, I, performance mentality will have me focusing on the wrong things because I feel like I'm supposed to show up when God isn't actually calling me to show up. So I've really had to set up like accountability and even time management stuff where it's like, okay, am I actually supposed to show up to this thing? Cause you want to preserve your creative space. Um, and if you are a high level achiever, you want to make sure you're, you're focusing on the right things. So that's been a question I've had to ask myself a lot when I'm entering into new projects or even working with new, new clients in our marketing firm that we have saying, is this the right thing for us right now? That's so good. And that is, that is my core prayer in the season of my life when I'm so busy. It's like, God, help me to work on the right things and to work on them in the right way. And I, I miss the mark sometimes really bad. There was this one conference I was speaking at. And I spent an entire day uh, preparing a talk for this conference. And but th- it was an unconference, which means at the beginning, everyone pitches their talks and everyone votes. So anyone can pitch a talk and everyone votes and not all of the talks get selected. And I spent all day working on a talk that didn't end up getting selected. And more than I was sad about not having my talk selected, I was more sad about wasting that whole day. <laughs> I was like, oh, there's so many other things I could have worked on. And sure, there's a chance I give this talk in the future, but it wasn't a writing conference. It was a, like a business conference. And so the talk wasn't on anything that would work for my kind of my life now working with writers. And it was, it, it was really kind of a chastisement, I feel like, God letting that happen. Because I had won at the previous one of these, I had won best in session. Not only was my talk voted for, but they've afterwards they voted on which one was the best. And I had won. And so I was like, I am the king of this. I'm totally going to rock this. And I went from the top of the hill all the way down to the bottom. I was, I was brought low. It, and, and I really felt like it was, it was God like being like, Hey, Thomas, this isn't where you need to be right now. This isn't your crowd right now teaching business people about project management that's you know that was your that was the last season that was not this season that was yesterday's manna and you know i was working on the wrong thing you know during that same time i could have been uh, moving the ball forward in all these courses i'm making uh, for authors or, or made some more podcasts or caught more up on email <laughs> but but no i i i worked on on the wrong thing so so 
give us some pr- practical feedback on how how do we reorient? Because it's not this thing of like, oh, one time I checked this box, now for the rest of my life I'm going to be working on the right things. Like, how do we make that a part of our daily rhythm of making sure that the big rocks are going in first? Yeah, well, oh, such a that's such a big question. I I know from my personal experience in launching my first book, Courageous Creative, I. I went into performance mentality mode, which you should. I mean, you're launching a book, like show up for it, right? This is a big deal. But I work so hard at getting endorsements and I like, I put all that pressure on myself and it was driving me crazy. Like, what can I do? What can I do? What can, and it was just like making me feel like I, I, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. And I, was getting ready for the workday one day. And you know how like when you're just in your routine and you feel that still small voice, like totally call you out on stuff and punch you in the face that (laughs) that moment happened. And I felt like God was like, why aren't you trusting me with this stuff? And I was like, oh, this is getting awkward. But like I wasn't I was showing up and doing all this stuff, but I was forcing all this stuff. Like I was trying to be the one that was playing God over this thing. And the biggest lesson I learned is that you have to lean into where God is opening doors, like lean into the stuff, lean into the stuff when you can see God moving and show up, show up big, but also hold things loosely and say, okay, God, you're God. I'm not like, please help me in this, but show me if I'm off base. And and when I like, it's a surrender thing. So when I totally surrendered the project and the endorsements and everything to him, that saint, like, 20 minutes later, I checked my email because, oops, I checked email first. And I had an, <laughs> I had one of the endorsers respond saying, yeah, I want to endorse your book. And it, I couldn't have orchestrated this moment. This person didn't know me. It was like totally a thing where they felt like God was saying, yeah, help Jenny out and endorse this book. And I think a lot of times it's a surrender thing and really just saying, God, what do you have for me today? And what does that look like? Because I think it's great to carry big creative vision over our lives, but it's also a day-to-day, let me hear God in this situation and move where he's leading. Yeah, there's a fascinating proverb that I have been meditating on for years, and I still don't feel like I understand it, but it's, a man selects his path, but the Lord directs his steps. And it's one of those proverbs that, you know, it's really easy to kind of skim over, but it seems backwards to me. (laughs) Like, shouldn't it be that like God gives us the path and then we do the steps ourselves and, you know, he gives us the big vision and, you know, we figure out how to get there, right? Commander's intent like we do in uh, the military and and business. And yet God wants to be with us in that step-by-step process and almost it seems like that that's more important to him than the big picture stuff, right? You're like, okay, sure, you you select your path, but I'm going to be there with the step by step part because I want you to walk with me. Yeah, use wisdom as you you know pick which college to go to, but it's more about you know every day while you're at college, I want you to you know walk through that day with me and. I remember as an 18-year-old trying to pick a college, I'm like, this is the most important decision I will ever make in my <laughs> entire life. Because, you know. <laughs> I hope you use that voice, too, while oh, you're processing. Oh, that. yeah. That was totally the voice in my head as a melodramatic uh, 17-year-old picking a college. Um, but it really felt that way, right? Like, so I'm, I'm going to meet my wife here. You know, this is where it's going to set my career. And none of those things happen, right? I did not meet my wife in college. And if you know my story. And, you know, my career was not set. In co- anyway. The, the But the point, though, was that by walking with 
the Lord through college. You know, he did a work in me there that was beneficial and did affect who I am today and is part of, you know, why I'm married today. Like all of those things did matter, but they didn't matter the way I thought they did when I was a 17 year old being like, I must pick the right college. Yeah. I Oh, gosh. I think we put so much pressure on what path am I supposed to go on and what does it look like? I, oh, gosh. I had this one sermon I heard from our pastor. It was talking about purpose. And as a dream, like I'm such a dreamer and I will carry vision all day long and try to cast it in everyone that will listen. But it will weigh you down. Like you're saying, like, what college am I supposed to go to? Like those are heavy, big decisions that can just even not even move you forward because it's so scary because what if you mess it up? And the sermon I heard, he, uh, Pastor Mike Cervello, he said, your job, and this is from the, the catechism, your job in life is to just glorify God, bring him glory and enjoy him. And that changed me like that. Just hearing that, I'm like, oh, I can, to- <laughs> I can totally do that. Because when you're doing that, hopefully you're carrying the vision that he's given you, but it takes that pressure and that weight off of having to step into that whole big thing and do it right. Yeah, that, that's really good. I was uh, hanging, and actually in preparation uh, of this talk that I uh, end up not giving, I had this exercise where I needed money. And because uh, I was giving away like cash prizes and there was a con- competition as a part of the talk. It was going to be a great talk. They, they really missed out. Yeah, but on so I, I walked to the bank um, to go get some money and there was this homeless guy um, on the on the side of the road and he was just like waving at people and smiling and he had the sign that said god bless you and he's this old homeless guy but he was just filled with the joy of the lord and um and i i gave him a dollar you know i'd just gone uh, to the bank but uh, while i was standing there with him waiting for the light to change um you know one of the cars drove by and honked and gave him the finger and he just waved back and blessed this guy who was driving back and i was like this homeless guy who is has nowhere to sleep tonight has more joy than I do. <laughs> I was really challenged by that. Like I have the weight of the world on my shoulders and prepping for this big talk and all these things going on. And it was really challenging to me. And, and you know, what you're talking about of giving God glory, you know, I really feel like that that homeless guy in his own way, you know, blessing people as they walk by as, as a beggar was giving people, giving God glory and, and bringing joy to people's lives. And not everyone wanted to accept it, right? Some people really disliked the fact that he was there and, you know, that's fine. But he was really gracious in his response. It was very surprising uh, to me and, and really challenging because often we feel like I must achieve. Once I am king, then I can glorify God. <laughs> it's like, no, actually becoming king isn't going to make it easier. Right. And and glorifying him in the midst of becoming king or queen. <laughs> um, we have that opportunity to glorify him. I'm reminded of the story. I was working in Hollywood and I was editing and we had to deliver a project to the studios. And, and the day before it was due, our whole hard drive system crashed. Like we lost months of stuff. And it was in the opportunity item like of course, I cried, let's be honest. And then I ran towards Diet Pepsi. But my third response <laughs> of coping, <laughs> my third response was to say, okay, God, like, will you help me in this moment? Like, let's do this thing. And um, he should have been my first two response. And I've been called out on that by him many times. Like, he wants to be the go-to responder. Um but anyways, so finally I got my stuff together and I like was like, let's do this, God. And we had to rebuild the whole project within two days and resubmit it. 
But months later, when I moved from that job, one of the producers on that project said, you know what? You made me believe in Jesus. And she was an atheist. And it wasn't, it wasn't because I was the best video editor in all the land and look at me. It was because we have to be people as writers, especially we have to be people that shift the focus from being me focused to being he focused. And I think when we're stuck in our own heads or when we make our creative process about us, we're, we're really not bringing him honor when we have a chance to bring him glory and honor through the things we create and in the way we create. And in that journey of creating too, we're influencing people around us. So it's, it's like honoring him in that process. Yeah, that's, that's really good. And, you know, living your life in front of non-believers in a transparent way, like if you're really following Christ, I feel like there's something attractive in that um, because they get to see you following Christ, both in the good times and the bad times. So it's not this like plastic version of like, oh, because I follow Jesus, I have no trouble. <laughs> it's like, that is false. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stress isn't going to happen. I'm fine. I'm a robot. No, it happens. Following Jesus actually causes trouble. Like it causes trouble to come to your life. And if you don't believe me, Jesus actually said that. He said, if you follow me, there will be trials, temptations, uh, persecutions, and lo, I will be with you even to the end of the age. So he's with us, but that doesn't mean that we don't have trials. It doesn't mean we're not persecuted. It doesn't mean that we're not tempted. And and that's an important part of uh, the writing walk. Um, we're almost out of time, but I want to get super practical here in our remind, remaining minutes because uh, we have authors who are listening and I want to talk specifically about writer's block. So we've been talking lots of philosophy about creativity, but when somebody sits in front of their computer and they type the word the, and then they watch the little blinker <laughs> blink and they don't know what to write next, what do we do? What do we do to overcome writer's block? I think the biggest thing we can do is um, I, I found myself uh, in writer's block, obviously, and I was actually sucking the joy out of the writing process because I was like, this is the hardest thing I've ever done and like being a baby about it. I think we can um, realize that this is an honor and a joy that we get to do in writing and um, actually invite the Holy Spirit into our writing process is the number one thing I would advise doing because He'll help you, obviously. And then it's an act of worship. Realize that writing is an act of worship. So invite Holy Spirit into your process. Practical things you can do um, is brain dumping. Like just write out all your thoughts and just go for it. Get out of the way. Um, I prefer speaking over writing. So I will actually just talk out a concept I'm working on or a story I'm trying to tell. I'll actually record myself telling it. And then I'll either transcribe it or have Google transcribe it for me. Um, and then that'll start me from getting out of my own way because I'll overanalyze sentence structure and like, oh, that word doesn't make sense. So talking out your thoughts a lot of times will help you get out of the way. Um, walking in silence. So like ditch the podcast. Sorry, Thomas. Ditch the <laughs> podcast. Ditch the music. Go for a walk in silence. Get out in creation. And that actually is proven to strengthen your creative output. So just walk. That'll actually strengthen at 60%. So walking in silence is a real good uh, writer's block brain buster. And then um, mind mapping. So you're saying the key to writer's block is to walk around the block? (laughs) 
Whoa, zinger. And I will say, pray, pray while you're walking. So, you know, do one walk in silence uh, and then another, you know, hit the block again and pray as you go and just whine to God about all of the things you're frustrated about. You can complain to him about your characters and your story. Whining to God, totally cool. Psalms are full of lots of whining. Um, lots of whining. God is cool with you whining to him. He'd rather you whine to him than really anyone else. In fact, complaining, not cool, especially when you're complaining to other people, but you can complain to God all the, all you want that he he's there for you. <laughs> so, walk around the block to break writer's box. Yeah, but I want to reverse I want to I want to reverse your walking walking. So, walk around the block complaining first and then be silent on the second walk. So, he'll actually call you out on stuff and like help you in your midst of all of that stuff. No, that's good. You bring you bring your sacrifices and your burdens to the altar, and then you have open hands to receive from the Lord. I like that. That see, th- this is this is why we have you on the show. You straighten me out here a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So walking is huge um, in silence or complaining, and then silence, and that should help you overcome writer's block. Uh, the biggest lesson I've learned in my own experience is just talking stuff out and then writing second. Have you ever tried that? Uh, so for me, I, I sometimes, actually, when I was crafting my book, a few of the chapters started off as almost like podcast episodes where I would record it, and then I would have somebody kind of type it up and chapterify it, and then I would start editing it, um, I, which is a little similar to what you're talking about. You're talking about just like brain dumping, kind of like stream of consciousness, getting all of your thoughts out of the way um, so that you can uh, focus on what on what is most important. I don't think I've tried that specifically. I may have to try that. Yeah. Oh, there's this app. Oh, I got to tell you about this app. You're going to die. I don't know what it's called. So there you go. Google your way through it. But there's an app that (laughs) it gives you a time limit. And if you stop writing, it shrinks down. And if you stop writing long enough, it deletes everything. I think it's called writeordie.com. Oh, see, you know. How, wow, you're such a ninja. We'll put a link to this uh, in the show notes. It it has this, it, it doesn't have to delete. Sometimes it just makes the screen go darker, darker. And it, it's great for uh, encouraging you to just keep writing, even if what you're writing is terrible. And we will put a link to that in the show notes. It's so fun. For the people that thrive on competition, <laughs> like that one will get you moving real fast. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, Jenny, tell us about the create uh, Courageous Creative, your book. Oh, yeah. So I wrote it for leaders, the procrastinating dreamers and wounded creative. And it's a 31 day interactive devotional. And it helps you strengthen your creative process so you can influence culture for Jesus. So there's every day there's a creative challenge, um, which will get you just being intentional to rebuild that muscle that you've lost. And then there's, it goes through the foundation of our creativity. It tackles creativity killers, things that kill our creativity. And then the last part of the book talks about how we can unleash our creativity into the world. So it's pretty awesome. It is. And it's very creative in how it's constructed. I I want you to explain that a little bit because it's not a normal book. Uh, What makes it different? Oh, this is, (laughs) it's different because it's one thing if I were just to tell you how to do something and it's another thing for you actually to do it. So it's really interactive in the sense that it's inviting you to get the pages messy, like get all in. um, And it's structured in a three-part, it's similar to uh, a three-part, I think our creativity is in a three-part story structure. So um, there's a foundation, there's a conflict, and then there's a resolution, which we're always a work in progress. And we're always trying to get to that resolution. But so it's broken up into that 
way. And you can, once you get the foundation section of the book down, you can jump back and forth through what's killing your creativity and how are you going to unleash it into the world. And it's been amazing hearing response of people. Um, People have had like deep healing through going through this book, which you never, like, I never thought, oh, this is just a fun creative book. And people are like experiencing deep healing from wounds that they, they totally didn't realize were even there just through doing some of the creative exercises and really understanding that God created them to be creative. And there's either sin, shame, or pain, or whatever the case may be standing in their way, but it's given them an outlet to actually learn how to creatively express that. And they found such freedom in it. Yeah, unless you become like a little child, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And one aspect of being like a little child is that ability to create without shame, the ability to create without ambition, just the creation for the sense of creation, right? When a child brings you, you know, a terribly colored piece of paper and is super excited about it, there's a joy there that the best you know, most advanced artists may not have, despite the fact that their paintings are selling for millions of dollars. And going back and rediscovering that childlike uh, heart is the work of the kingdom. Like, you know, it's maybe like, oh, well, sure, this may help you write a better book, and that's great. But more importantly, it's about reconnecting with Jesus in a really deep and fundamental way and in a very specific area of your life. Uh, that maybe, you know, he's not fully Lord of yet, right? It's like, you think he is, but it's like, well, here's the challenge. Go through this book and find out. Like, <laughs> like there are always more closets to open uh, and, you know, more redemption and more rejuvenation uh, by the Holy Spirit. So I love this process. And I love how it's um, not a, like a secular creativity book. It's, it is a, like a uniquely Christian book of like, this is a journey with God to create like God. Yeah. And one thing you mentioned is creating without shame, which I feel like this is a really wise way to end your podcast episode. I was wondering if you would stretch your creativity live on this show for the listeners and um, do do just a quick freestyle rap for us to demonstrate how we can strengthen our creative process simply by just showing up. So doing it bad and then fixing it later. So I'll fix it and post a little beatbox. Oh my gosh. You just nailed it. That was the I don't I don't even need a rap after that. That just So here we are talking about creativity with Jenny Rendell, the author of The Courageous Creative, about how you can follow God to do things you've never done before. Whatcha whatcha. Yeah. Whatcha whatcha. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> All right. My apologies. But but really, hey, I've never pr- uh, claimed to be any good at rapping. So I'm, I'm going to do it for the joy of rhythm and poetry. And that's a rap. <laughs> but listen, here's the thing. Uh, last thing. You don't need to give a disclaimer on your crappy rap. Not that it was crappy. You, f- I could feel you felt it was crappy, which it was not. It was fantastic. But I think a lot of times we'll present things into the world and feel like we have to give these disclaimers. What if we just stopped giving disclaimers and just presented it? And then maybe if you need to just run the other way or don't give that disclaimer, just let it be. Be confident in, in who God created you to be. And that was a fantastic rap. I like it. Jenny Randall, thank you so much uh, for joining us today on the creative funding, or sorry, not the creative funding show, uh, the Christian publishing show talking about uh, creativity. We will have a link uh, to your book in the show notes if anyone wants to buy it and a link to the assessment. If you want to find out what is blocking your creativity, 
and what to work on. It doesn't just tell you what is broken. I went through it and it gave me some practical tips on how to overcome uh, those creativity blockers. We'll have a link to that as well. Uh, Real quickly, our sponsor today is the Christian Writers Institute. And the course of the day is Mastering Technology as a Writer. And this is by me, actually. It's a course that I put together and it's all about the tech challenges that authors face. If you're intimidated by technology, if technology stresses you out, this class will make you less stressed about technology guaranteed or your money back. It is that good. And there's some really simple things you can do to really change your view of technology, some of which are actually similar to what we talked about here in terms of thinking like a child and acting like a child in that sense of childlike wonder. So anyway, use coupon code podcast to save 10% at checkout. And Jenny, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Thomas. Thank you for listening to The Christian Publishing Show. For more information and to get episodes delivered to your phone automatically, visit christianpublishingshow.com.